Welcome to the City Edge Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website at cityedgechurch.org.au. We hope that you enjoy this message. Wonderful, you can be seated, church. Oh man, we're a packed house. Let's go, somebody. The church is alive, amen. So good. Well, uh, good evening, everyone. I feel like James, how good is it to be back? So good. Sorry, I just had to get it off my chest. It's so good. It's great to be in the house of God. Online was amazing, but this is really, really cool right now. And um, I apologize. I haven't done this in a while. So uh, if your grace can be extended to me, I don't know if I know how to preach anymore. Um, But let's give it our best go. Um, But we're currently in. Um, this series called Arise, and I'm pumped for it. It's been so good the past weeks that we've already had. Talking about worship, I'm a passionate worshiper. I'm a sing in the shower worshiper, um, you know, sing around the house, wherever it is, uh, top of your lungs kind of worshiper. And I, I actually used to be on the um, creative team. They kicked me off. Um, but I used to play the acoustic and sing a little bit. And um, basically, I'd usually stand in this corner over here and just in the AM service, have an acoustic and just swing my guitar as hard as I could. And I'm telling you, I've almost fallen off this stage more times than you can count. And because uh, I just love worshiping God. Who loves worshiping God here? Getting passionate. Come on, the church is not a dead church. We're alive. We love Jesus. And there's something that oozes out of us when we worship and adore God together. And I make many blowouts when I sing as well. So uh, good fun. But um, story time. Um, has anyone ever been to the beach and got super burnt before? All right, a few people. A few people have a bit more pale skin than I do. God bless me with some olive skin, um, whatever. But, um, but anyway, I have this one time got really burnt. One time. Remember, I was home and um, I just bought sunscreen, as you do, as a guy does anyway. I bought the sunscreen, but it was at home. And I'd already left. I was already on my way. Friends are waiting at the beach. I think it was King's Beach. Beautiful, lovely King's Beach. And uh, we were there. And, you know, boardies, got it all happening. Shirt off in the water. Uh, we're having an awesome time. And it's, it's like a Saturday, right? So we are out the whole day. And what do we do? We come out of the water, you know, an hour in there or whatnot. And then we come out and we're like, you know, what? let's sunbake this, you know. So sitting down and lying down. But it's always that moment. When you, and I don't know if anyone else has done this, but you nap when you're sunbaking or you go to sleep or something like that. So anyway, I took a little nap. No one chose to wake me up. They're all like, yeah, he's got sunscreen. Honey, he'll be fine. And anyway, I woke up after like a solid like 45 minutes, hour. And I'm telling you, I was a tomato. I was a literal tomato, like no longer a human being, Um, like literally a tomato. No, I was so red and it was just everywhere. It was just my back though, absolutely destroyed. And I'm almost certain the next day I had to play acoustic where you put a guitar strap on and it's just like, I remember legit just peeling for days. Has anyone been there before? Few people. And I, I bought sunscreen, right? But I didn't put it on. And it's interesting that I had it there with me. I paid for it. I could have put my name on it. I think I did just so I didn't lose it. And it's Nick's sunscreen. But unless Nick puts the sunscreen on, it has no effect. It has no effect at all. Actually, I've found this with many things. Um, If you buy hair dye and you're keen to dye your hair, you can buy it. You can spend as much money as you want on the most professional, the most amazing. I don't know, I've never done it before. But you can buy all the things. But when it sits in your cupboard, unless you actually put it on, nothing happens. 
I found out with a few other things. If you want to write a book and you want to grab your most amazing pen that we even have lots of City Edge pens, I usually use all those. And anyway, if you want to put that pen and write a book, I don't know, you're not even using a computer these days. You're writing it with a pen. <laughs> Good luck to you. Grace to God on that. I've found out that unless you put pen to paper and apply it to the paper, you're never going to write a book. And church, I want to let you know that it's no different with the Word of God tonight. That we can hear a great message, a motivational message, the Word of God, but it's not until we actually apply it to our lives when the transformation comes. And I'm really speaking to a church here tonight that isn't just interested in warming a seat tonight, but I believe there's people here that you need the Word of God to transform your life tonight. That it's in the application that the transformation actually happens. So tonight, not, don't let these just be words that are heard. Let it be action that we take from these words because I believe God is calling His church back to a heart of worship. A heart of worship. And the best thing is, a heart of worship will change your life like nothing else. It will. And I've titled my message, if you're writing notes, if you're a note taker, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And you might have even thought I said heart of worship and I said I'm coming back. You might have even sprung to memory there a song, if you know it, called... The Heart of Worship by Matt Redman. The lyrics are, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And it's my heart and prayer tonight, church, that we would come back to this heart of worship where it's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. Come on, let's pray together as we hear the Word of God. Lord, I pray Your anointing. And I pray, God, that we would hear a message that just wouldn't go in one ear and out the other. I pray, God, that, Lord, as we hear Your Word tonight, let it stir us on for the Gospel. Lord, let it change our hearts. Lord, I pray for a transformation of our lives. God, why would we come here and leave the same? God, we want to leave different. God, we want to leave changed. We want to leave transformed. God, we want you to help us tonight. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to every heart tonight in the name of Jesus? And everyone said, amen. 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 So we're going to kick it old school tonight and we're going to go Old Testament. Is everyone cool on that? You know, we got some old covenant lovers here. Awesome. Wonderful. (laughs) So good. Um, We're going to look at the life of a man by the name of King Josiah. King Josiah, and uh, if you've got your Bibles, because you do, because you're all Christians, uh, we're going to go to 2 Kings, the book of 2 Kings, chapter 22, and uh, we're going to read uh, real soon, but um, firstly, context, because context is very good when it comes to reading the Bible. Um, how's this, right? King Josiah, obviously he's a king, but he came a king when he was the, the age of eight. Now, can you imagine what you were doing when you were eight years of age? I can't. I remember I was scootering, skateboarding, and versing or racing my friends in, what do you call it, go-karts. But think about Josiah. He doesn't have a go-kart. He's got a chariot. He's just got like, and he's just like probably blazing it. And like his father, whoever's there is just like, what are you doing? Like probably carnage with all these horses and all this. But he's a king. He gets to do what he wants. And he's eight years of age. I thought that was crazy that he became king then. Who the heck put this guy in charge? Come on. He's a responsible adult adult anywhere. 
But uh, from the age of eight, uh, Josiah be- became king. And, and from a young age, Josiah knew God. He loved God and he worshipped God. And, and I know that we give uh, King David a good rap, but um, I think King Josiah has a great rap for having the heart of God as well. It says this in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 2. Josiah did what was pleasing to the Lord. He followed the example of his ancestor, King David. I love that. He was a man after God's own heart. So when he looked up to someone who had that stature, he looked up to King David and he started to run with the same values and the same heart. And just a little side note for a second, the people that you admire are the people leading you to your future. The people that you're looking to right now are people that you want to have in your life that lead you to God and not away from Him. And King Josiah looked at his ancestors and said, I want to be like King David. And he strictly obeyed or obeying all the laws of God. All the laws of God. And uh, it says eight years in his reign. So doing maths, quick maths. He's now 16. He's 16 years of age and he's still, I don't know how he's still doing it, but he's still reigning the northern kingdom of Judah. And he's 16 And this little story comes out in 2 Kings. And uh, some backstory before it. King Josiah sent his secretary, Shaphan. Can everyone say Shaphan? Say to your neighbor, Shaphan. Shaphan. (laughs) Shaphan. I don't know, it sounds like... And anyway, he sent his secretary, secretary, I don't know what that means, secretary to Shaphan. And uh, he sent Shaphan to the high priest, Hilkiah. And what was happening that day, he sent him there because he was to collect the money from the temple um, and he was to distribute it accordingly. So it was just kind of like, you know, a regular day in the life of being a king at 16, you know, and uh, making sure his secretary goes. And anyway, Shaphan comes to the temple, talks to the high priest Hilkiah, and then Hilkiah, high priest, hands Shaphan, he's like, hey, Shaphan, I actually found something. I found the book of the law. And I'm like, what were you teaching beforehand? Like, seriously, you only just found it now. Like, come on, man. What have you been teaching in the temple? You're supposed to be a high priest. He found the book of the law and it'd be found in the temple. And then Shaphan returns back to King Josiah and he starts to read this book of the law. Now, as we noted from 2 Kings chapter 22, uh, uh, Lord Josiah, King Josiah, he followed the ways of David, but he never had the book of the law. He was just looking to a model to, you know, kind of keep those uh, statutes and keep those decrees. But then they found the book of the law. And then Shaphan reads it to him. And, this, um, and then when he read it, 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 11, says this. And when the king heard the book being read, he tore his clothes in dismay. And the reason for this, you might be like, well, what the heck? It doesn't really make sense. What had happened in Judah in that time is that people started worshipping other idols. People started offering to Baal and to the Asherahs and creating these monuments of other gods, sacrificing to them. They were doing absolutely things that were uh, like terrible, terrible actions because the God that you follow, your actions start to follow them. And they started to do these things. They were sacrificing things that they definitely should have. They were doing terrible and wicked things before the one true God. They would go to the high places, the mountains, and then they would do their acts and their tributes to these gods. And King Josiah, the king, the leader, he looks out at his country. He looks out of his kingdom that he was in charge of. And then he brings it back to what the book of the law says. 
And he's like, there's a disconnect here. And what does the verse say? He says, when the king heard the book being read, he tore his clothes in dismay. He was broken. He was heart ached that the people of God were not the people of God anymore. Because he heard the book of the law. And culturally, when he tore his clothes, he wasn't like Superman, like, he tore his clothes was an act of mourning, was an act of conviction, was an act of repentance before God. God, how did we get this messed up? How did we, when did we start doing these things that are opposed to you? And we go on to read in 2 Kings chapter 23. He's found the book of the law and he's like, we got to get this out to the people. Before them, all the king read aloud the whole book of the covenant. Imagine sitting in that church service. Whole book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple. He stood by the royal column and made a covenant with the Lord to obey him. A covenant, an eternal promise with God and man. To keep his laws and commands with all his heart and soul. And to put into practice the demands attached to the covenant as written in the book. And all the people, all the people together promised to keep the covenant. I love that King Josiah didn't look at his culture and be like, no, this is all right. This is what's right. Looking at the high places and being like, no, this is okay. Worship to our God, my true King, and also worship to Baal, that's okay. No, he went back to the book of the law and saw the God of the Bible and decided to use his viewpoint from that rather than from what he saw. King Josiah didn't make up a Jesus. He didn't make up of going, I like that verse and that verse about God, but I don't like that verse, so I'm not going to keep that in there. He came back to the book of the law and accepted all of that and read it out to the people. And it said, if this is the God of the Bible, this is what we're doing. If this is the God of the Bible, even those parts that are a little bit hard for me, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to change to what I feel and what we want to do, but what God wants to do. And I think it's so important, especially for us, young people and young adults and teenagers here, that we understand that the God of the Bible is the God of the Bible. The God that we serve tonight is not just make up and pick this and that. He's the God of the Bible and we must follow His ways. Isaiah chapter 44 says this, and this is the Lord speaking. And this is our nature. The way that we worship God is first knowing who God is. He's the God of the Bible and He said this about Himself. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, Jesus Christ. I am the first and I am the last. You can't beat that. You can't go before that and you can't go after that. I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. There is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. I love the flex on God. God's just like, is there anyone that is like me? And he can do it too. Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me since I have appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? Are you 
and you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. Even God himself says there's no other God. There's no other rock that you can find your life on. And this is a thing, church, we were always designed to worship God. And to worship God with I like to call single-mindedness. Just and only God. Just and only God. Not something with God. Not something but God. But just God. He's the first and He's the last. He's the creator of the creation. Since the beginning, humanity and His creator, creator God with His creation, hand in hand, there is no other God besides Him. Because only the creator knows the real needs for His creation. Only the Creator knows the real need in the human heart for His creation. And what we are supposed to do as human beings, Christian, non-Christian, whoever you are, a human, a human being, is we were to place our hearts in the holder of hearts. Genesis, He created man in His own image. And we were supposed to place our hearts and with free will, put it in His hands and say, God, everything that I am is in your hands and let it be that way. But then Genesis 3, a fall. A fall happened. The mother pride of sin came in. Mother sin of pride came in. And instead of placing our hearts in God, which is our state of worship, we placed it in self. We placed it in created Things And I believe there's two things that God placed on my heart so strongly this week that I believe one King Josiah did and two, it's, it, there's a preface to this message. This is going deep tonight. This is going to the heart, to the core of who we are as Christians, as believers, as people, as we come back to the heart of worship. And I believe there's two things that must happen. And you might feel a little bit, oh, and that's Okay. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let the Holy Spirit come upon you right now. To come back to the heart of worship, church, is we need to dethrone lowercase gods. We've got to dethrone. We've got to dethrone, church. First thing that King Josiah did after he read the book of the law says this in verse 12, the altars which the kings of Judah had built on the palace roof above King Ahaz's quarters, King Josiah tore down along with the altars put up by King Manasseh in the two courtyards of the temple. He smashed the altars to bits and threw them in the Kidron Valley. Man, I love the Kidron Valley now. I don't even know what it is, but I'm sure it's awesome because altars and false gods are being crushed to pieces. Kind of like I've seen like, I think there's one in Nambour or Brisbane. It's kind of like you can go and buy your weapons and just smash things. Apparently they go like smash boxes and you just destroy. And King Josiah's like, get me a room and get me the biggest baseball bat you've ever seen. And I'm about to kill some Baals and some golden images and some things that don't need to be here right now. Boom. See you later. Home run. In every city of Israel, King Josiah, I love this cultural shift in this whole region, in this whole nation. In every city of Israel, King Josiah tore down all the pagan places of worship which had been built by the kings of Israel who thereby aroused the Lord's anger. 
You might be like, Nick, well, yeah, I know they worship gods in the Old Testament, but not now. We don't do that. Bow, bow. <laughs> Because the thing that I find is that we do two things as human beings sometimes, and sometimes not even intentional at all, but we can sometimes make our own gods from creation. And our culture, this is, this is really just pointing at culture right now. Our culture says, worship self. Worship self. It's all about you. It's UE insurance. Sorry for anyone that works there. It's called a selfie. Everything designed in our culture is about self. And here's the thing about the enemy. If we really know the strategy of the enemy, he doesn't need advertisement or banners saying, worship the devil. You know, that's what you need to do. No, if he can just point our view as Christians, as believers on something other than God, he knows that it won't bring worship to God anymore. So he picks something so easy, so sinister, so small that it looks like it's nothing, but it's just like, oh yeah, I'm just thinking about myself more. I'm just thinking about my career. I'm just thinking about money. I'm just thinking about what I wanna do. I'm thinking about my comfort, my way, what I have planned for my life. It's this entitlement. It's the pride that sneaks in so subtly and it dethrones God, church. And it places self above him. And you might be like, well, I'm not like that, Nick. Who's the first person you look at when a, when a photo's taken? All right? I'm, I'm, I'm on this level as well. <laughs> you know, it's just like, are my teeth straight? Did my hair look good? What was going on in the picture? Damn it, I just should have that. That should have happened. You're the first person you look in a photo. And I'm not saying that's wrong. There's nothing bad with that, right? But our culture is so directed at us, it's me. But the heart of the Christ follower is not, I would be worshipped. But as John the Baptist said, there is one greater than I that comes that I'm not even worthy to loosen his sandal strap. He is so holy and he's so amazing and he's so great. And I cannot take the position of Messiah or the Christ. It is all for him. It's all for his glory. I want the heart of worship. I'm going to place my heart in the holder of hearts. Jesus the Christ. The truth is, church, is that we're supposed to be givers of worship, not consumers of worship. Worship isn't about us. Worship's about Him. And how faithful is God that when we worship Him, He fills us. How, how incredible that there's pleasures forevermore when we worship the King of Kings and we make it all about Him and not about anything else but Him. He would replenish His people. He would come. He'd fill us with His Spirit yet again. But there's another thing. And if it's not us making a God out of creation, what we seem to do, and hey, I'll be the first to say I've done this. I've been a part of this. No person is exempt from this, but we want to get our hearts back to a place of worship. Is that we like to add things onto our relationship with God. And it might not be like, you know, we're worshiping these golden images and doing this or that or what I want or my way or anything like that. But we just add, like to add some things to our relationship with God. Where it's just like, God, I want your will for my life. I want the plans that you have. But... I really want that boyfriend. 
I really, want, I really want to pursue that girlfriend. And we make a carved image out of someone else and go, God, you know, I've got this conflict. I really want to follow you. And I say with my lips, I love you and I want to worship you. But at the same time, I'll have your will, but I don't want to do it your way. And guess what? We follow Jesus' will, but we all follow, also follow His way. He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. You can't get rid of the will without the way. You need both. It's His will and it's His way. You can be like, yes, God, I had a vision and this is how you're going to do it. It's going to be her with me and it's going to be the best. And it happened anyway, babe. Don't worry. (laughs) But it's just like, I've seen a vision. It's going to be great. It's going to be grand. This is what's going to happen. But I'm going to track my own path and I'm going to get there my own way. And he's like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. Come on, a heart of worship is God. Your will, your way. Your will, your way, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And this is the word purity that I want to talk about for just a moment. The word purity comes throughout all of Scripture. It's two verses that are going to come up on the screen. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In Psalm 51, that famous passage of King David after he's just sinned before God, a big sin, mind you we want to count sins or anything like that. Psalm 51, he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know why Scripture talks about purity so much? Because purity means unmixed. Purity means unmixed. It means it's pure. It means when you have, I don't know if there's any dog breeders here, but if you want a dog to be a... (laughs) Don't have to think about it. But a pure bread is two dogs coming together. Anyway, we don't have to go there. Whatever. You get it. <laughs> Let's go with the refining analogy. Pure gold, all right? We get out the impurities, all right? Here we go. And it's 100% gold. It's just gold. And no dogs are involved in the process, all right? It's just gold. But there's a reason why it's pure, because it's not mixed with impurities. It's not mixed with another. It's not 95% gold and then 5% dirt. It's not like that. It's 100% pure. And God is asking, not for a church that's like, I'm 80% for you, Jesus, but there's other 20% of my heart. It's not for you. He's like, come on. Is there a church? Is there a heart that you'll be, I'm all in for the gospel. I'm all in for you. I've got the heart of worship. Just and only God, church. Come on, he, He's so worthy of it. He doesn't deserve any less of just, I'm going to put a little bit of my hand in. No, come on, can we dive deep into worship? Dive deep and go, God, all of me. That brings me to my second point, is that we need to dethrone lowercase gods. But what we need to do then is We need to give our life to the one true God. You might have heard this sentence or line many times in church. Give your life to God. Give your life. And what it is, is placing our lives and deciding to pick up our whole lives and go, God, it's all yours. Every part of me, the good, the bad, the time I messed up, the time I'm doing great, my flaws, my strengths, my heart, my mind, my body, my career, my money. God, I give you 
my life. This is what salvation is. Where It's not just a half-hearted Christianity. I'll dip my toes in when I want it. It's God. I give you my whole entire life. Can I say that freedom comes when you give your whole life? And not just half of it. Not just a little bit. Hey, time of COVID, four months being away, maybe from physical gatherings, your heart might have drifted or maybe you've never really gone, you know what, God, I've, I've never actually decided within my heart. And we're not talking about, come on, just lip service or singing songs, although that's the expression of what we do when we worship. But God, I, I actually give you my whole life. Jesus said this, he said, if you wanna save your life, you gotta lose it for my sake. And if you truly want to save your life, you've got to place it in me. You've got to come back to the heart of worship. You know what King Josiah was doing when he read that book of the law and he tore down those asterisks and the Baals and the, and the other lowercase gods? He said, God, we've been astray, but we're coming back. God, I've been far, but I'm coming back. I'm placing not just parts of me, but all of me in you. And I'm giving my life to the one true God. And I believe here tonight, there's some people that one, you've come to church a lot. You might've even said a prayer, did something with your life to express that you wanted Jesus, but it might just be, Jesus, yeah, I want you to be a part of my life. But God's saying to you tonight, all in. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm telling you, you want the grace of God dripping on your life? Humble yourself and come to God. Lower yourself and go, I'm not God and I can never be God. And God, I just want you and I wanna give you my life again. There's some people here and I would say it's a daily decision to position our hearts yet again. It's a daily decision. This isn't just a now and tomorrow we forget about it, but it's an everyday God. I was choosing my will today, but I give that up. And I place those desires in your hands. Say, God, today I'm gonna live for you as well. Today I'm gonna live for you as well. And the reason why the title is called I'm Coming Back is, yes, because of the message, but we're about to worship right now. And we're going to sing that song by Matt Redman. It says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And I believe the power and the presence of God is going to touch some people where you haven't felt it in a while. But guess what it's going to take, church? It's going to take all in. Hey, maybe some people here, you're like, you know what? I have made her my false God. I have made that my false idol that I've been following as well as you. And tonight, God's the night where we're gonna de dethrone some lowercase gods. We're gonna go, God, I'm all in. And for the person who you might be, feel like, man, I feel, I feel wretched. I feel like I abandoned Jesus. He's not far away from you. You don't have to stress. You don't have to try and strive. You just gotta come back. I love this, that whenever I'm going in the wrong direction, even though I might've gone so far, Repentance, 180 degrees, all it takes is one moment. I don't have to walk all the way home. Jesus is right here. He's right there. So come on, church, in this moment, could we stand to our feet?
whatever you need to do in your heart. This isn't singing beautiful songs. I have a terrible voice. But our hearts coming back is a decision in our mind to go, God, I'm all in. God, it's all for you. Thanks, Ben. Let's sing together.